Tim Beers. The one and only. I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Tim Beers. Talk a little bit about soccer and beer. What else? Pretty sort- much anything else that comes up. Yeah, anything else that we feel like. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good about yourself. Yeah, I'm hanging. Just living the life. <laughs> Staring at four beers. Nice. Various colors. Yes. I noticed we're uh, we're hitting a a darker theme. <laughs> well, there's a blonde one sitting there staring at you. Yeah, there is. There is, without a doubt. In celebration of the fresh hop phase that we're in. Oh, boy. That season. What do you think that is? Uh, it's, it's probably going to be some overly hopped IPA. Maybe. It could just be a sparkling brute IPA. Yeah. <laughs> Did you try it? Yeah. Yeah, I just tried it. What'd you think? Um, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not it's not super hoppy like I was anticipating, which is good, but it it's definitely got that really good fresh hop taste to it. So this is a Myopia Hazy IPA by Sawtooth Brewing. Out of where are these guys out of Haley, Idaho? So they're calling that a hazy. This is their hazy, and it's not very hazy. It's no, like, it's very clear. Yeah, it's uh, this is one of the ones my little brother brought back for me that we've had sitting there cellaring. Huh. So I mean, it's got some floaters in there, but it's definitely not hazy. Yeah, I noticed that it's got some floaters. It's interesting. But yeah, sawtooth brewing, um, golden color, nice head on it. Um, a little bit of hop, characteristic, right? Um, probably some citra. What else do we see? On this yeah, it's kind of what I'm picking up on is, is maybe like a citra because it's got a definite citrus hop note to it. 6.5%, 55 IBU, and uh, yeah, fantastic. Good little beer. So way to start this thing off. Three others coming at you. One you brought. Yes. Fancy pants here. Fancy pants. Yeah. I'm I'm almost uh, to the point where I'm out of beer selections at the local beer markets. Yeah. I've noticed we've gotten kind of crazy lately with what we've had to do just to stay Just to find something new that we haven't tried. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You look at the profile under these, under the light, the one you brought, which is Black Boss Porter. Yes. uh, Almost as ambery color. Look, I mean, look at this. That's that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Versus the other two are black as. They're definitely black. <laughs> so, They're motor oil. Yep. It's going to be interesting to taste those bad boys. Where are you at? Did you try two or three? Um, I'm just now getting ready to try the porter. Oh. Well, so the uh, Portland Timbers played Sporting Kansas cool. City yesterday. Ooh, what was that? That's good. The Black Bo- Boss? Oh, yeah. yeah, the Black oh. Boss is good. Huh. That's a beer straight out of Poland. Yeah. A little soft, but lots of coffee character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Timbers play Sporting Kansas City. Um, I listened to the game. We actually sold our tickets. Yeah. And uh, sat by the campfire outside, enjoyed a bottle of wine, maybe a, two bottles of wine, I think. And uh, listen to the game. And I was actually, for the first 60 minutes, glad I was not there. Yeah, no kidding, right? I was watching it. <laughs> um, I put my tickets up for sale as well, and they didn't even sell. That's, um, that's what I heard. I heard there's a couple thousand people that didn't even show. Like, uh, Yeah. Um, tired of the shenanigans, I, I think. I'm really noticing that 
the it, you know it used to be a blessing having general admission T8 uh, tickets because you could just you literally could almost sell them the day of the game yep. and have no issues. Now, um, not so much. Yeah, lots of drama going on. I think there's a lot of summer soccer malaise, malaise where they're just uh, people are tired and yeah. tired of the BS and. The Timbers, to be honest, haven't looked good. So. No, they really haven't. Um, and even in that game, watching it, you know, we, we had the majority of possession for a good part of that game. But there just there wasn't the, the sparks of magic that we really need to see out there between a lot of these guys. Um, until just, like, brief moments. That's it. We saw two absolutely stunning pieces that they scored goals off of uh, and that that was kind of the bulk of bulk of what happened all night uh, a good what a handful from both teams uh, crossbar and sidebar uh, yeah. shots so interesting stuff there these two teams tend to have that hence the double post so they do um, but yeah, weird, weird game, and Fernandez finally stepped in front of his defender. Yes, um, and headed in a ball Got at ninety three minutes. Goal. Yeah, yeah, it was gorgeous. So, but again, we we talked about this with the Salt Lake game and um, a lot of the other games, and it's just I mean they're a middle of the road team. This is not a team that's built to win a championship. This is not a team that's going to go out and compete with L.A. or, or any either of the L.A.s or Atlanta or even Philly. I mean, this is just a kind of a middle-of-the-road team. They may get lucky and win a game, but they're not going to – 90% of the time, they're not going to beat those top-tier teams. No, and, and, but what's really funny about that is we said the exact same thing about the 2015 team that won the championship. Are you going on record saying they're going to win the championship? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> By all means, I'm not saying that. Because I just about choked uh, on my myopia. Yeah, I'll bet you did. Um, I mean, we just now got back above the playoff, playoff lines after beating Sporting, Sporting KC, if I if I did my math You're correctly. You're right. Yep. Um, but we're only up there by a point, so right. it doesn't take much to knock us back down below that line. But 2015, our team was mediocre at best as well and they managed to pull something off so i mean i'm never going to count them out but i'm with you on this that i really don't think their uh, their chances are that great yep well we'll have to see how this thing plays out so it's a weird the new playoff format is going yeah um weird it's, year it's going to so. impact things drastically i think so we'll see i think we make it to the playoffs but i think we get bumped pretty early so um, do we need to address anything going on in the stadium? Probably not. So there's a lost episode, <laughs> which uh, may or may not have been recorded over the last several weeks that explains our frustration. But, yes. Um, why don't you, kids, if you're interested in hearing the lost episode, just email me. I may uh, email it out, but... Outside of that, it may just stay lost. Like a private listening only kind of thing. Yeah. 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 It's a little little reminiscent of our first season where it's edgy and um, it's probably something if I ever run for political office, I'd have to remove. So Imagine that. Yeah. yeah go figure. So, well, uh, 
What have you tried? You tried your hazy IPA. You've tried the Black Boss. Yeah. Um, who's this by? I don't think we talked about that. Um, by Bro War Witnicka. So, and this is from Poland. This is nine point four percent. Yeah, I didn't realize that. It doesn't drink like nine point four percent. Does not drink like that at all, does it? This is a Baltic porter, <laughs> and uh, yeah, coffee, chocolate, ambery color. It's not a true dark, right? Um, but pretty good. So, and number three, what do you think? Porter I'm stout. Just now getting ready to drink it. Try this bad boy. Mm. Wow. Got hella coffee note to it. <laughs> Holy cow. And a lot of coffee. A little cocoa nib in there on the tail. Uh, Almost like a bitterness on the back end, too. Yeah. Um, Stout porter. You know, I'm going to have to go with... with uh, I'm going to say porter on that. This is a 5.8% 38 IBU from Sawtooth Brewery out of Haley, Idaho. Last chair stout. Last chair wow. being like a ski chair. So. Yeah. Stout, huh? Yeah, and this is the one I told my little brother. I'm like, hey, pull me this one if you can get it. So they pulled that one, and it's pretty heavily coffee. So pretty good beer. Totally drinkable. Hmm. Can do that. Um, this last one that you've got in front of you is going to be fantastic. This is a holdover from uh, somebody that's supposed to be on the air with us. Yeah, that some bitch is barrel aged. <laughs> How do you know? I just have this sixth sense to uh, <laughs> beers that try to kill me. No, this this one's not going to kill you. No, it's uh, it's definitely barrel aged though. Um, Did you try it? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it's. It's fairly smooth, but it's not as complex as I would anticipate it from a barrel-aged beer. Whew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're picking up on that? Yeah. <laughs> this. It's got a little zip. You think it's a stout or a porter? Uh, you know, it's hard to tell with that barrel age in there. Um, and everybody knows that that's listening, that, that my beer guessing skills are crap so i didn't ask you the style and you got the barrel aged well yeah but i'm gonna say porter on that i said porter on the last one and it was a stout this is a hand selected whiskey barrels bring forth bold notes of caramel and toasted oak which perfectly complement the beer's spices and madagascar vanilla enjoy now or cellar for next year by Epic Brewing out of Salt Lake City. Epic. And this bad boy is the Imperial Pumpkin Porter by Epic. Oh, Porter got, brewed with pumpkins, I got spices, one right. aged in whiskey barrels. And this mother is 9.0. And it's pretty tasty. It's actually pretty smooth. Um, yeah. And I should have picked up on the pumpkin. The pumpkin, and I'm not. I'm just really not tasting much pumpkin in there. Well, I think the whiskey barrel masks. I some think of it that does. Yeah. So, and there's a little bit of sweetness right after. Yeah. That first hit on the tongue. So, a couple nine percent beers tonight. Woo. <laughs> yep, gonna be one of those nights. We might be slurring by the end. I'm slurring now. 
Yeah, it's yeah. all good. It's good. It's all good. Well, so we talked about it with the hazy IPA, the myopia. Yeah. It is not a fresh hop IPA, but uh, it is a uh, certainly the what season that we're in. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about fresh hopping and what that is and what that looks like um, for the listeners. And then I also thought we'd talk a little bit about a brewing efficiency, because I know that's a topic between you and I, <laughs> God, yeah. about how we boost brewing how efficiency. We boost that. Yeah. So uh, with that, we will take a little break, taste some more beers here, and uh, come back at you with a little talk about fresh hopping. All right, we're back. Back. So, fresh hop season. What yeah. exactly does fresh hop mean? Good question. Well, we know that fresh hopping has to do with the application of fresh hops, so wet hops, into a beer. But why is it such a thing right now? Probably because hops are being harvested, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So we live in a hop region and in places that are famous for growing hops, um, most of the time there's an over an abundance of fresh hops. Yeah. And instead of crying them, grinding them down to pellets, doing something different with them, they make a bunch of available. The other thing is home brewers typically delve into growing hops. Mine didn't turn out so well this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, you got fresh hops, so it's pretty easy to add them to a beer right then and there. Um, so with that, let's listen to a little clip here on fresh hopping beer. What you get when you use a wet hop versus a kilned hop that's been dried is just all these very fine essential oils that are normally burned off in the kilning process. So it's really exciting for us as the brewer to taste the hop in its sort of true form. Freshness, whether it be uh, your tomatoes or your cherries or any other crop, will affect the flavor. And consequently for the brewers, having access to a farm like this allows them to understand the product better and consequently make a better finished product. I love your hops, and it's the only local hops that we're able to use, and it's it's really an honor, you know, to, to, mm -hmm. to use something that's grown in California. All right. Fresh hop. A little Tecmo Pop Hop Pop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a little rundown on what that is. So I guess the key is, look, we take wet hops, hops that have not been kilned or dried or when we were at Degard sitting and aging up in uh, bags, burlap bags. Right. And we're going to take them while they're green and we're going to drop those into the beer into our brewing process. And it's going to add a fresher, almost more vibrant hop, almost a greener taste to the beer. And, and it sounded like the key was using it the same day it's picked. Absolutely, right? Because the drying process happens. Right. <clears throat> and the lupin glands absolutely start to become rancid the longer they sit out and have contact with the air. Good old lupulin. Lupulin. Sounds like a, like a werewolf type thing. Yeah, I've got lupulin. <laughs> I got bit by a werewolf <laughs> 10 years ago. I, I got bit by a fresh hop. Yeah, in uh, Yakima. <laughs> Nasty little bite. And I saw the movie Twilight. 
Oh boy. You ever seen the movie Twilight? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. How about Stranger Things? Uh, oh yeah. You a Stranger Things guy? I love that movie. Mm, uh, three quarters of the way through season one. Or actually it's not a movie, one. it's a series, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Most of the way through season one. Like yeah, what are you, you thinking? Uh, you liking it or you borderline or... I would say borderline. I'm not a big sci-fi guy. Oh like, yeah, and this is definitely sci-fi stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm yeah. a horror guy. I like I like good old-fashioned slasher flicks. Yeah. Um, I certainly love the '80s. Growing growing up in the '80s. Um, but yeah, there's there's a definitely heavy sci-fi thing going on. But I can appreciate it. I mean, I mean, it's good. I just don't know if I. I don't think I'd watch it over again. Right, but right. keep watching because it gets weirder. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> Great. Yeah, but I like Matthew Modine. Matthew Modine's badass, Vision Quest. I mean, that was that was Loudon, man. He took on Shoot in yeah. Vision Quest. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I love the Chunk character inside of the thing. <laughs> He's fantastic. And there's nobody that can convince me that that guy was not modeled after Chunk. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then there's a lot of like again. I'm an Evil Dead guy, Army of Darkness. Oh, I love those. Shout those, out to yeah. Uh, yeah Bruce Campbell and his group, uh, Sam Raimi and those guys. Well, now and, they did a series on that too. You know that, right? Yeah, I've got the Evil Dead series. Yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, there's posters in the kids' room of Evil Dead, which I dig. I mean, there's a lot of '80s throwback stuff to again, kind of the people that I think helped shape them as they were making this. So. Uh, interesting stuff. But. Cool. Good. Well, so what do you got brewing? You got anything inside the fermenter? I do. What do you got? Um, I've got the R&R Oktoberfest sitting in there. And what do you think? Um, did you do a gravity measurement on it? I did. In um, Off the tilt or did you? A- well, and see, here's the funky thing. Is that tilt is supposed to automatically temperature adjust based on the temperature that it's reading? And we need to get the tilt guy on because I got a bone to pick with that guy. Yeah. Uh, that would actually be fantastic if we could get the tilt guy on. Um, but right now I'm lagering the beer at about 40 degrees, 40 to 38. Okay. Depending on how hot the freaking day gets. Um, and I'm getting a measurement of like 1.006, oh. which would make it in the 6% range. Jesus. Which is, as we both know for that style, is too high. Um, so I don't know if that's a correct reading or not. I'm going to have to probably pull a, a sample off. Uh, problem is I broke my tube for that I used to, to do the, the hydrometer test with. So I'm You broke to... the hydrometer? No, or... no, no. I broke the, the the cylinder that you use to do your sample. Do you have a plastic one or a I'm going to have to one? find one. Yeah, I had a glass one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big mistake. Best thing I ever did was switch over to a plastic one. Yeah. Because um, it's... Plastic or acrylic? If I can find an acrylic one, that'd be great. Well, that's what I've got is acrylic. The um, but the hydrometer itself, I have a hard enough time keeping that. I've gone through about ten of those son of a bitch. I'm with you. That's why I bought the tilts because I was busting yeah. hydrometers right and left. I was like, shit. But a glass freaking beaker, like even my yeah. little yeast starter beaker, I'm like, I broke two of those. So. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's so I'm gonna have to have to get an accurate measurement, and, and if it is accurate, then I don't know what the hell happened. But 
It's going to be a high-octane Oktoberfest. Huh. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. Well, I've got a uh, Black Widow clone in. Yeah. Um, it's sitting, the way I calculate, at about 70 degrees, about right around 7%, a little bit under. Ah. Um, so we're at like 6, 9, 6, 8, maybe 7, depending on what the little tilt's doing. Right. Um, pulled, pulled it off the yeast bed the other day. I'm actually going to give it another week. And then that bad boy's going to keg. And yeah, I think I'm kegging mine this this time, too. Well, I think I'm going to keg, and I'm going to use that new microstone that uh, the guy at Tiny Wolf yeah. leaned me onto. See how quickly I can carb that son of a gun with a, tiny, with a microstone. Right. And then I am calling Joe and Jay, and we're going to drop some Black Widow into some cans. Ooh. Because I think Blackwood on the cans would kick ass. Yeah, it probably would. I think yeah. a lot of things in the can would kick ass, but because I've got Black Widow, it's really going to kick ass. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Cool. Well, so one of the things we talked about was efficiency. So I had a huge grain bill with this Black Widow. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, you had a larger than normal uh, grain bill with your Marzen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about missing specific gravity and how come we can't get the target specific gravity. And so what we talk about in the brew world is efficiency, right? right. And yep. so there's brew house efficiency, which is something totally different. Um, in this case, we're talking about louder efficiency, where how do we get the most sugars out of the grain that we can? Um, and so there's a hundred things that can impact that, um, starting with type of grain, right? So if you yep. use a lighter grain, um, it traditionally has more sugars available than something that's been roasted or some of that sugar has been caramelized or burned off of it. And so... Typically, even your darker stouts and your darker beers will have at least a good chunk of two-row in there and then some darker malts, darker grains to color it out. Right. Um, but we still run to this thing where the specific gravity, and they call for like a 1.060 specific target gravity before you ferment, and we're at like 5.8 or 5.6. And what does that do? That means less alcohol if you're beneath what that target uh, specific gravity is. Right. So, and of course, the reason we're making the beer is... To get the octane. We want the booze, baby. <laughs> so, so we need to talk about efficiency. How do we increase the likelihood that we're going to hit that target specific gravity? Yeah. Um, so we'll get a little clip here. They'll walk us through, and then I've got a top 10 afterwards that we can talk about of how to improve brewing efficiency. Hi, guys. This is Brad Smith from Beersmith.com with another beer brewing quick tip. In today's quick tip, we're going to cover how to get the perfect crush on your grains. Now, a lot of beginning all-grain brewers end up missing their original gravity. They typically come in low. And there can be a lot of reasons for that. Sometimes they're not measuring their volumes right. Uh, sometimes they're doing something else wrong. But in a lot of cases, it's because they haven't crushed their grains properly. Now, to crush your grains properly, what you want to do is actually crush the inside of the grains without disturbing the outside husks. So if you look at a properly crushed grain like this, it's going to have uh, bits of husks that are largely intact, while the inside of the grain is crushed pretty finely, really. 
And what this does is it allows the husk to act as a filter bed to go through the grains. Uh, in order to get this kind of a crush, you really need to use a dual roller mill. So a two steel rollers, typically an adjustable malt mill, is going to give you this fine crush. You won't get it from a typical Corona mill, which is the kind that's used to, to grind up grains or something. You really need a two, uh, two roller stainless steel mill to do this. So that's today's beer brewing tip. If you got low efficiency in your all grain beer or you're not hitting your gravities, take a real hard look at how you're crushing your grains. For more tips, go to beersmith.com blog or subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is Mr. Beersmith. That's Mr. Beersmith. Mr. Beer, of course, uh, famous for his brewing software that you and I both use. Oh, yeah. I Fan love it. Fantastic software. So he's talking about grain. So we talked about grain, and grind is definitely one of those things that you've got to get dialed in, right? Right. So yeah, essentially, the more I can expose the hot water to of the inside of the grain, the more likelihood that I can get some sort of enzymatic reaction to pull sugars out of that uh, carbohydrate that's in the middle of that grain. Right. Right. So, but I also don't want to crush it and make it into flour, right? Because then I have paste and I have a hard time draining water through that. Yeah, and that's where you run into like what they call a stuck mash and things along those lines. Right. So, so I need something greater than flour, but less than big chunks. So, right. And so the two roller, sometimes a three roller system works very well where you're kind of grinding and pulverizing that grain so that when you add it to your mash tun, the water itself can actually convert as much sugar as possible. But there's a lot of other shit that can go wrong, dude. Oh, yeah. So with that, I thought we would actually cover our top 10 ways to improve brewing efficiency. So number one way to improve brewing efficiency, Gary. That would be water quality. Uh, you got to really pay attention to what the water quality is for what you're brewing. Uh, a lot of a lot of your beers have different water profiles, uh, but the key is that you can add ingredients to your water, uh, salts and other things, to bring the pH to the ideal piece. Now, the ideal pH for your beer when you're brewing is 5.4%. And that brings us to our next step, uh, or our next uh, tip that you can use. Uh, Jason, take that one away. So, the next tip that you can do to improve efficiency is making sure that you're pulling as much sugar as possible out of your malt. So, you've gone ahead, ground your grain, um, added some water, made sure you hit some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. Um, but have you pulled enough of the sugar out? Um, and do you have enough of the sugar available? So one of the ways that you can do that is by doing an iodine test, which is used by brewers to test for conversion of unfermentable sugars and starches into the mixture. And, and if you haven't, let's say there's extra sugar still there, um, the iodine test will tell you so that you can actually do another rinse or what we call a sparge. And that brings us to three. Gary. 
Yeah, number three, uh, we actually covered a little bit earlier with Brad Smith, which is the milling uh, and getting your your milling size down to where you need it. Uh, You want to make sure that you're crushing the grain, making sure that the inside of that grain is pretty crushed up, but that you're not pulverizing the outer shell of that or the husk. Uh, You need that husk to be able to do like a filtration piece but you you definitely want to get it in there so that you're crushing up the inside of it so number four is the grist to water ratio sometimes referred to as the liquor to grist ratio and this is merely the volume of strike water so just your hot water divided by the mass of grist in kilograms uh, and the practical range is roughly two to four uh, and most often it's a 2.5 to 3.2. So all that means is I've got grain, I've got water. It shouldn't be thick like oatmeal. It should actually have some water in there, but it also shouldn't be too watery. Um, if it's too watery, you risk thinning out your wort, and then you have to boil it off a little bit longer, which could be problematic. And if you don't have enough water in there, you're not actually pulling enough sugar out because you don't have enough water. And that brings us to the next uh, tip, which I believe is five, uh, which is your mash-in temperature. Uh, this is pretty critical uh, when you're you're doing this. So the ideal for mash-in temperatures is anywhere between 140 degrees and 160 degrees. Now, depending on the beer style, that will, will vary, but... Those are kind of key to make sure you're getting the enzymatic conversions um, that you're looking for in your beer. So, and as Gary said, um, related to this, number six is the mash temp, but making sure you include a long rest and a high temp. So, the here, deal here is to make re- really beer, really good beer, you've got to make sure that you've got a long rest period. You're allowing a good drain to actually happen, which we'll talk about in a second. But also you have a high enough temperature where you're actually converting enzymatically to be able to pull the sugars out and drain that into the wort. So that brings us to number seven. And that's going to be stirring. Um, A lot of people um, that we've seen, well, at least that I've seen on YouTube and everything else tells you, you know, don't mess with the, the bed, don't screw with it, don't do this. But actually by stirring your mash you're actually helping that conversion rate you're stirring it around you're getting those those sugars mixed up you're also allowing water to get in and saturate uh, the inner kernels of of your mash so you've got to you've got to do some stirring to make that that happen and, and get a more efficient conversion number eight sparge so there's all sorts of confusion about sparge. Is it a rinse? Is it a is it a way part of the brewing process where you're actually making something happen? Um, what is fly sparge? What is batch sparge? There's all of this stuff about sparge. But the key with sparge is you're increasing the water temperature, and then you pour that hot water, which is approximately 172 degrees, up over the grains to pull the sugars through. And so in with a batch sparge, you're basically doing two or three cycles of that to make sure that you're rinsing most of that sugar off of the grain, pulling all of the available sugar out um, as much as possible. But the key is at 172 degrees. Number nine. 
Um, actually, Jason's got that one. I just want to add a little something to that sparge piece. Uh, with the, the, the temperature is key, but there's also one other major key that a lot of people um, overlook, and it's time. Uh, you don't want to rush a sparge. Let that water drain out uh, and drain through that grain bed to make sure that it's pulling all that residual through. If you do a true sparge, it can take anywhere to 30 minutes to an hour, uh, which sounds like a long time. But that's that much more sugar conversion that you get than otherwise you're just you're you're dumping whatever's left in your bucket um, off your wash. So you want to make sure you're very patient on that sparge. So Gary hit number nine, which is let it drain. And then number 10 is if you are off your mark after a great mash-in and a great sparge and you know you're still down underneath what your target is, then add some sugar, baby. <laughs> Pour some sugar on me. little Def Leppard. So, and what does that mean? Do I take the old cane sugar out of the sugar jar and just start pumping that into my work? <laughs> no. Do I take some liquid malt extract, pour that into the beer? Well, maybe. But the Belgians have this process of adding Belgian candy sugars and different things like that to make sure they increase, again, the potential alcohol that's going to be produced. And so you can add sugar at this point before your boil um, to help you hit your target. So the, don't be afraid. Yeah, and the key to that is to make sure you're putting in fermentable sugar, non not non-fermentable sugars. No stevia. <laughs> no NutraSweet. No. You could add NutraSweet. But it's not going to ferment. It's just yeah. going to be super sweet. It's not going to be good. So those are the 10 tips that we came up with um, that really target how to improve efficiency. Gary and I will follow them like the Old Testament. And um, <laughs> and Gary's Noah, and I am Moses. And we're going to follow those and make the Ten Commandments out of those. You like that biblical reference? Is it the Ten, man- ten Commandments of Brewing? <laughs> that, that imperial pumpkin porter. It's kicking up. my ass, yeah. It just jumped up and slapped me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's uh, take a little pause. We'll retop these off, make a couple Franken beers, and come oh, back boy. at you. <laughs> Watering gardens is my line, says Green Thumb Jay McGrew. But when you want to quench your thirst, then here's the thing to do. You ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. Make friends with Valley Forge. Do yourself a big favor. It's pale. It's light. It's smooth. It always tastes just right. So you ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. When friends drop in, invite them to make friends with Valley Forge. If they're like most people today, they like a modern beer. A beer that's pale, light, smooth. Yes, they like Valley Forge beer because every drop is brewed especially to suit the modern taste. For thirst-quenching refreshment, for downright satisfaction, there's just nothing quite like Valley Forge beer. In fact, the most a host can do for friends is serve Valley Forge. So you ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. We are back. Well, some of us are. Frankenbeer. Boah. For those of those, for, for those of those, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we haven't done a Franken beer in a while. We haven't. So, what is a Franken beer? 
So a Frankenbeer is what we do is we take whatever we've got left for the night. Oh. Um, and we start just mixing them. Uh, I believe the first Frankenbeer you gave me was the... It was two-thirds Black Boss, one-third Imperial Pumpkin Porter by Epic. Yeah, so, you know, I, the, the math I like to do here is you get a 9% and a 9%. I like to throw those together, and you get an 18%, but that's not really the case. But What's 9 plus 10? Uh, 21. It's, uh, it's, it's a smooth version of both beers, but it's got some kick. Yeah. Wish I had a lighter. I don't. <laughs> yeah. We'd burn down the house. So, uh, beer two that we frankenbeered. We still got a couple to go here, but uh, yeah, beer two was the Myopia IPA. So one third of that mixed with a little bit of Last Chair Stout. Yeah. And so you got a hazy IPA mixed with a really heavy coffee stout. Um, didn't fare so well. It didn't fare as well, but the the interesting thing uh, when you're pouring it is the super super fine carbonation bubbles that we had on the myopia make it look almost like a um, black and tan. Yeah, black and tan, but also a nitro pour. It's kind of impressive. Yeah, the color separation on it was a very much white from the myopia. And then the dark coffee foam layer. Yeah. Uh, not so much in the beer itself, but the foam layer is separated. The foam layer is separated, yeah. which is, you don't see that very often in the foam. Pretty wicked awesome. And uh, I've still got a full Imperial Porter staring at me. How you doing on that? Oh, you, you're, you're prime location there. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting annihilated over here. <laughs> you don't have to work tomorrow. Well, no, but I got to drive my car to the um, dealership to get serviced so that I can take off to Wyoming. Isn't that Tuesday? Well, it could be, and it's looking more and more like that. Um, so I just added that's a 50 50 ratio oh, Imperial Jesus. Pumpkin, Last Chair Stout. That can't be good. No, it's going to be way good. That's going to be the coffee and pumpkin. It's got an interesting uh, smooth head to it. Yep, yep, it does. <laughs> it was a softball for you, and you couldn't even hit it out of the park. Not hitting it. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Two softballs in a row. Just let them go by. Strike zone's not big enough. You know what? I don't think I like that one. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, it it overly magnifies the coffee flavor, in my opinion. Hmm. Well, so let's go with that. We'll go 50 of that. Let of course, see. I'm not a coffee guy, so... Um, yeah, that was interesting at best. The The funny thing I'm finding is I'm sitting here looking at my, my tester plate here. Yeah? And you got nothing but dark beer? Nothing but dark beers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good thing, kids. So the last beer of the night is a Bourbon Barrel Abyss from uh, 2014. Oh my god! Just kidding. I'm gonna just hurl now. <laughs> Get it over with. Yeah, no, we wouldn't do that. We got four four tasters sitting here in front of us. We're just doing tasters tonight. 
Yeah, tasters. <laughs> a liter bottle. Now, now that we're three deep into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. So I just did the 50-50. Of? Um, I'm still getting the pumpkin. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know how to taste that. I just can't get the pumpkin. All I'm getting is coffee. Really? Try that. So that's exactly what you had, but it's just a different pour, so... No, it's you the had, same pour. Well, no, you had on the bottom pumpkin. I added the coffee on top. This is coffee in the bottom, pumpkin on the top. Pretty much tastes the same to me. <laughs> As it probably should. You're just trying to get me to drink your beer. <laughs> I know what the hell's going on here. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mikey. Mikey, here, drink this. Well... So, uh, Summer Lake Soccer's going still at this point. Uh, we've probably got about, what, three more weeks, four more weeks of this I bad boy? I would say probably four. Um, and unfortunately, I'm going to probably miss the next two. Two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I for, for sure miss one, so um, I'll be there this week. Won't be there next week. Um, so, the guys will have to figure that out. But the key that was asked me asked of me last week was, what are we doing for an end-of-season party? Yeah. So we've done an end-of-season party the last four or five years. Uh, last year, we just included it within the Oktoberfest party. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Okay. The reason behind me thinking that's a fantastic idea is we have Oktoberfest party coming up. We have... Ten in- gallons of beer. Oh, God, yeah. Don't even remind me of that. Um, I just don't want any additional planning. I'm with you. I really don't. And I'm with you. That's kind of sad coming from a guy that's not working and not doing anything else. Whereas you've got work and a new foreign exchange student and you know all the other daily, daily family stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I just really don't see the need to add more planning to a party when we can just mix it all together. Yep. I think we pull it together, have a Oktoberfest party that would... You know, from what I heard, last year's Oktoberfest party was pretty pretty kick-ass. Yeah, it was pretty kick-ass. Uh, good times. Lots of lots of beer, because you yeah. had your beer that was brought over, and I had my beer, and people brought beer, and it was a party. Yeah. The only thing that was missing was some Jaeger. Yeah, I don't plan on missing this one. What about Jaeger? Yeah, I'll miss Jaeger, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll avoid Jaeger like the plague. Jaegermeister. No, thanks. It's German, dude. No, I know it is. I won't be drinking it. Have you ever had Jaegermeister marinated bratwurst? Uh, I can't say that I have. I haven't either, but that sounds fantastic now that I just made it up. You might as well splash some gold slugger on there, too. Schlager? <laughs> I like some schlager. Some gold schlager. Not just the schlager. Oh, boy. No. That's like cinnamon schnapps, dude. Mm. What are you talking about? Hey, it's your story. You get to tell it. So, uh, let's see. All right. So, Timbers game coming up uh, this weekend. Yep. I'll uh, be gone. Yep. Sold my tickets. I'm not going to be there. You're that not going to be there either? No, nope, that's a D.C. United game. They moved the time back to 1230. To, yeah, I sold mine to <clears> Sean Barry. Um, so, yeah, we pumped our tickets out. Matt Cam's got a uh, water polo game. So, uh, so we're going to that. 
watching the next state champions uh, start their way through the season. Yeah, so. it, as long as they can keep that right up with no injuries. Yeah, it's going to be the same three at the top. It's going to be Newburgh, Lake Ridge, and Southridge. No so. injuries is the key to this game. Yep. So we'll see how this thing goes. We don't have the bench, but we got some players. Players. And then um, let's see what else we got. So then I believe there's a midweek game the following week. There is. It's yeah. a it's a Wednesday game. Yeah, Wednesday game. Um, funny thing is, I put those up for sale because I'm not going to be back yet. Yep. I haven't even sold. Yeah, the way Debbie was saying it is that people traditionally are like five days out on this thing, so nah. they'll sell. Um, and again, if you post 24, then it's like a crapshoot on whether you're going to sell or not. Yeah. But the key is between five days and one day is the key. So, huh. Interesting. She does that. She like watches it like a hawk. I'm going to have to keep that in mind. So we went down to two seats. That's interesting. Yes, and yeah. Tim Tim called bullshit, but we truly went down to two no, seats. No, you did. I, I heard the whole conversation going on. So now the question is, uh, can we move and get the get get the band back together? So Yeah, that's a big question. Um, I'm calling Zeusman. I'm going to say, hey, Zeusman, look. What I would, can we do? I would love to get out of the Timbers Army. I think you'll get out. Just because they've annoyed the shit out of me this year? They've annoyed everybody. I'm just going to throw it out there and leave it right there. there. There's a couple right thousand there. like fans that are very, very vocal that think they're the majority. They're not. They're and, the minority. And they're not. And and I love that they have the opportunity to voice what they feel is wrong. Um, but that being said is um, you got to follow the rules. And well, it, yeah. It, it, and I'm going to throw this out here. And I know I speak for you on this. We agree with the message. 100%. We don't agree with the method. 100%. That's it. Yep. I think, uh, again, just just because we have the ability to say, look, no fascism, no racism, um, doesn't mean we get the chance to break the rules or anything as it relates to political messaging. Correct. Um, and so if somebody makes the rules and they have the ability to make the rules and enforce the rules and you choose to break them, then guess what? You're out. Um, you broke the rules. And you don't have to be happy about it, but you still broke the rules and there's consequences that go with breaking the rules. Correct. Um, and I don't agree with a lot of rules and laws and all sorts of th- stuff that's being done. Me neither, but you got to follow them. But that being said, they're rules. To a point. And then I can be a voice to help change the rules down the road. But it doesn't mean I get to break the rules. Right. So, And if I do break the rules and I get caught, guess what? Consequence. I get my ass booted. So, <laughs> uh, But I'm, uh, I'm a Generation Xer. And I think that this Generation thing actually plays here where there's a group that is not Generation X... <laughs> You know, I I just don't even identify as a generation anymore. No, you are. You're a baby boomer. (laughs) No, I'm not. Because you're like 60, dude. No, I'm not. You're part of that post-World War II boom. bullshit. (laughs) Complete bullshit. (laughs) So, but again, I I just think that there's something to it that, again, there's consequences for actions. There Um, are. And some of this is 20-year-olds 
not having the frontal cortex connected. Well, and they've never learned that there's a consequence for an action. Right. Um, and I can't say that when I was 20, I realized there was a consequence for an action. Like, a lot of times I did stupid shit. Well, you did, but I, I guarantee you had consequence for an action be a military man at 20. Yeah, I did. But uh, that being said, uh, the differentiation between an American flag and what other ever, what other flags are being waved, um, look. There's a difference. There's a difference. So, yeah. Enough about that. Uh, they'll figure it out. Again, there's a guy that's on uh, the Timbers Twitter feed that is actually well-spoken, but uh, essentially he put something out saying, hey, look, the ownership will come and go, the players will come and go, and even the most of the supporters, 90%, 95%, will come and go. Yep. Um, and so why not just sit, yell, support the team, chant do what you can to move the lads on um, while you're here and realize that again most sitting around you will not even be there in a couple of years and it's true if you look at the growth and kind of what's happened from when we started going to games oh, yeah uh, pre-mls Big time. Um, it's totally changed so totally different crowd yep and I'm sure those guys that were there in the 70s um, look around and they're like, it's not even the same thing. So, right. Yep. Uh, it's still cool because the stadium's packed. It's 20,000 plus, And that's awesome. But there's a whole bunch of drama going on that really is not centered around whether the team's going to make the playoffs or whether they're playing well or not or whether we have good players. It's about other stuff that's important but not related to the team. Right. So. It, um, it needs to get back to the focus on the team. Yep. So, but that's that's all we got on that. And again, if you want to hear the lost episode, email us out. <laughs> Just let us know. Based upon who you are, I may send it out to you. May not. May not, Tim. But <laughs> so, uh, all right, man. Well, I think that's all we've got. Sitting at fifty-two minutes. Still got three beers sitting here in front of me. I only got two. Slacker. No, you got some more beer sitting here. Oh, God, no. So uh, with that, I guess we'll close this bad boy out. Tim Beers. Tim Beers.